is Radio Ragnarok, and I'm your host, Toby Jenkins.
Mary dans une rivière de douceur qui voulait couler jusqu'au bout du monde. Dans une rivière de douceur.
dentist. Noun. A prestidigitator who, putting metal into your mouth, pulls coins out of your pocket. This is a public service broadcast going out on all modulated signals, analog, digital and quantum within 10 kilometers of this COS outpost. The outpost ID is RR171011 and the outpost operator is me, Toby Jenkins. The outpost coordinates can be obtained with this signal. The outpost is equipped with provisions and medical supplies and has a security rating of 22.232%. The doors are open to the light. The sun is on the horizon. Dependent. Adjective. Reliant upon another's generosity for the support which you are not in a position to exact from his fears. It was a dark and stormy night, the night you died. I remember because the rain washed your blood into one of those storm drains that they put on the pavement. I can't tell you how many tennis balls I've lost down those scenes. I remember watching you fall to your knees, almost like you were about to beg, before you just flopped over and I knew you would never see the stars again. You liked stars. You would point them out to me whenever we used to go for walks when mum was away on business. I like those walks, just you and me, back when you were the best big sister in the whole wide world. You would always show me Orion because you said he was an angel to protect us in the dark, but Orion wasn't there the night you died. I was. You had come home early, I remember because Takeshi's castle was still on and you usually only got home after the late night movie. I always used to wake up when you came home, didn't matter how late. We used to have midnight milkshakes, but that was before Gavin, and after Gavin I, I didn't want midnight milkshakes anymore. But I still woke up, always, because then I knew for sure that you hadn't left us like Dad. You never told Mum why you got home early, but that was because she didn't ask. Mum never asks. I didn't need to ask, I knew why. Your bag was already packed, but you had left the dress I made you for your birthday and your charm bracelet that you stopped wearing because you said it was too small. You also didn't pack your toothbrush. Mum always said that you would run away, but I never believed Mum. You used to say that she only made sense when she was screaming, and she wasn't screaming when she said that. But you also said that you wouldn't leave me alone with her or dad when he was still with us but you had packed your bag so I didn't know if I could believe you either but you didn't leave right away you stayed to help me with my homework which didn't help because you were always awful at maths and maths was the only homework I had you stared out the window for ages while I watched Doctor Who that night it was one of the old ones, the one where the Daleks asked the Doctor for help. You used to love Doctor Who, but I think you were waiting for something. Or maybe it was because you'd seen that one so many times that you didn't want to watch. 
I, I kept telling you the best bits were coming, but you ignored me like I wasn't even there. I was used to it, but I didn't like it. You never used to pretend I wasn't there. That was Mum's job. You tucked me in, though. I liked that part. That was when the thunder started and you told me I was safe, even though you knew that I wasn't scared of thunder anymore. <laughs> you, you stayed until I closed my eyes, but I didn't go to sleep. I, I was waiting for Mum to start screaming, but she didn't start she didn't start screaming. I waited and waited and waited and I didn't hear anything so I got out of bed and put on my socks so that you wouldn't hear me and tell me to go back to bed. I'd never seen mum look so sad. She was sitting on one end of the kitchen table holding her Simba mug and she was staring at the man in the suit. He was talking but I couldn't hear what he was saying because I was behind the door. You were looking down at the table and scratching your nail polish off. You used to do that when Dad was at the table. But the man in the suit wasn't Dad. He was short and looked like a bulldog. I, I didn't want you to hear me, but I didn't want you to go. I kept wishing Mum would ground you so that you had to stay, but she didn't say anything. And when she hugged you, I knew that she wouldn't stop you. I wanted to shout at you, but I couldn't because I knew I would get in trouble for being out of bed. But I didn't want you to leave. You always said you wouldn't leave me. You lied. You didn't have an umbrella when you left, so your hair got all wet. You used to get angry when your hair got wet in the rain, but this time you didn't. You just walked to the car and got in. I know because I was watching from the window in the lounge. The man in the suit was talking to Mum by the door when Gavin's car came down the street. He was going so fast he almost crashed and the car went sliding like they do in Tokyo Drift. He got out of the car and almost fell over on the pavement. The gunshot made you jump. It made me jump too. I got scared and jumped away from the window. Then the man in the suit started shouting. He was telling you to get back in the car. I don't know why you got out. When I got back to the window, you were shouting at Gavin. You weren't shouting at him like you used to shout at Mum. You looked scared. You had your hands up and you weren't listening to the man in the suit who was still telling you to get in the car. The man in the suit also had a gun, but Gavin wasn't listening to you. There was another bang and I saw the man in the suit fall down, but... You didn't run to him or run away. When you walked towards Gavin, I knew he was going to take you away. I started screaming through the window, but you didn't hear me. Mum was still standing in the door. I think she was scared too. I was yelling and yelling, and I ran out into the rain. When you saw me, you told me to go inside, but I didn't listen. I screamed and screamed at you and said that I would hate you forever if you left with Gavin. And then Gavin pointed his gun at me and told me to shut up, but I didn't listen. I was so angry. I started crying and Gavin started yelling at me and Mum started yelling too. She was shouting at Gavin, but I couldn't hear what she said. But then Gavin shot at her and I stopped screaming. I looked at Mum, but she was okay. Gavin had just broken the lounge window. And then you started telling Gavin that you would go with him. You put your arms around his neck and, and, and started to 
to, to kiss him. It made me so mad. I was, I, I was, like, it was, it was like you didn't love me anymore. That, like you didn't care. You, you said you wouldn't leave me, but you were telling Gavin that you would go with him. You promised me. You said you would always be there, and that, and that you wouldn't leave us like Dad did. You lied. You broke your promise, and it made me mad. I, I picked up the man in the suit's gun. And I screamed as loud as I could, but you didn't hear. And when I pulled the trigger, it was so loud it made my ears ring, and my whole arm shook, and I closed my eyes. But I saw you fall down. It looked like you were going to beg, and then you just fell over, and the rain started to wash your blood into the storm drain. Gavin didn't even try to catch you. He just stood there, staring at me. He looked so scared, but I was the monster from under his bed. I like being the monster, and not the scared kid. I don't know why, but I smiled and pointed the gun at him and told him to run. You were pretty, even though your hair was all wet. I walked over to you and kissed you on the forehead like you used to whenever you tucked me in. I held your hand until Mum pulled me away. And when the lights and sirens got close, a whole bunch of people started asking Mum and me lots of questions. They kept asking me what happened, and I told them the truth. When Grandma died, you told me that she wasn't gone. You said that she was always with us in our hearts. So when the lady from the police asked me if it was an accident, I said no. When she asked me why, I told the truth. You were going to leave me, but now you're always with me in my heart. Destiny. Noun. A tyrant's authority for crime and a fool's excuse for failure. Oh, 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 I, 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 I just got, I, I've got to get this down. I've got to get this down. I saw the most insane thing, right? Um, so I was, I, I, I was out kind of on the balcony, um, just, just out, outside at, at the top of the outpost. And, you know, I was doing my, my, my daily thing. Um, you know, I was sitting out looking at the horizon and I saw this massive creature walking, walking down the street outside. And I, I, I can't describe, like, okay, I'm going to try and describe to you what I saw. And I don't think I'm going to be very good at it because it was just insane, right? So imagine like a horse, but fat, like, really really rotund that's a good word that i learned the other day um anyway so it's this big massive fat 
fat, like, horse-like thing. It's got these stubby little legs that somehow it can run crazy. Like, that's what I saw. It was running down the street, right? It, like, really looked like it needed to get somewhere. But this this thing is like horse, and then it opened its mouth, and it's got these massive, long, uh, long, long, long teeth. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I, it like, it, they, it probably would do some serious damage to you if it got a hold of you. Um... But then it closed it, it closes its mouth and it's like so big and chubby, it looks kind of friendly and I, I don't really know what to make of it. And I was, I mean, I was so dumbfounded. I was so, well, yeah, that's what I saw. Diary. Noun. A daily record of that part of one's life which he can relate to himself without blushing. Hurst kept a diary wherein were writ all that he had of wisdom and wit. So the recording angel, when Hurst died, erased all the entries of his own and cried, I'll judge you by your diary, said Hurst. Thank you to show you I'm Saint the First. Straight away producing, jubilant and proud, that record from a pocket in his shroud, the angel slowly turned the page of each stupid line of which he knew before. Glooming and gleaming as by turns he hit on shallow sentiment and stolen wit, then gravely closed the book and gave it back. My friend, you've wandered from your proper track. You'd never be content this side of the tomb. For big ideas, heaven has little room, and hell's no latitude for making mirth, he said, and kicked the fellow back to earth. The Mad Philosopher.
Dictator. Noun. The chief of a nation that prefers the pestilence of despotism to the plague of anarchy. This episode of Radio Ragnarok featured The Night You Died by Your Nomad Soul, read by the author, with the songs Doubter by Les Asso and Walk That Dog by the US Army Blues Band. There were also excerpts from The Devil's Dictionary by Ambrose Bierce, read by Your Nomad Soul. All content in this podcast is in the public domain, with the exception of Doughty by Lazasso, used here under the Arte Libre license. Thank you very much for listening, and be safe out there. This is Toby Jenkins, signing out.